Well, get your Bible out. We're going to be turning back to our uh, series in James uh, this morning. We are looking at a sermon called Lack Nothing, Lack Nothing. Hopefully that will become clear for us all when we uh, move through these verses. Last week, if you were here, we looked at the, the first, uh, well, the first three or four verses, concentrating on verses two to four. Um, and then now we're really moving into verse five <clears throat> through to verse eight. And then tonight we're going to be looking at verses nine to verse 12. So that's tonight. So please join us this evening. And we'd encourage you, particularly our church family, but we encourage everybody uh, to join us on this journey through the book of James. Don't miss out on a week. And so join us this morning for this one and then join us this evening as we finish off this section in James. So James 1 and verse 5 is where we're going to be starting. So hopefully you have your Bible and let's turn there. Let's read this together. <clears throat> if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. Father, as we continue through this series, we just humbly bow and surrender our life to your work and your molding and your shaping. Lord, we do realize that we are a people who lack so much. Thank you that you're a God who lacks nothing. And so we do ask, as we meet together, as we study your word, as we desire to understand what these words mean for us, we pray that you would speak and that you would teach us and that you would show us and that you would reveal to us yourself, you would reveal to us our failings, our shortfalls, the things that we haven't got right, areas in our lives that we, we need to work on. We do pray that you would just help us in these moments. And we pray that you would just move amongst us. By your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last Sunday after the mid-sermon uh, interval, if you were here, you know what I mean by that, uh, we asked the question, didn't we? What's the purpose of trials? What's the purpose of trials? <clears throat> and our ultimate conclusion was that trials, not only do they prove who we are, not only do they prove who we are, and not only do they prove who we're trusting in, but they lead us, don't they, to greater maturity in God and actually greater likeness in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the goal of the, the trial. That's what we saw last week through verse 4 and 5. Uh, four, sorry, 2 and 4. And today we move from verses 5 through to 8. And actually... In these verses, we see that James is continuing his theme, his subject of trials and how we navigate and what we need in order to get through trials in a godly way. And so, as we do that, let me say that there are other purposes in trials. There are other purposes in trials. And this morning, I just want to put it out there at the beginning here and say, James simply tells us here that trials, as we look at through these verses, verse five to eight, produce wisdom, produce wisdom. Trials produce wisdom. 
Now, the question is, how do we connect trials to wisdom? Surely that's, that, that correlation is, is hard to make. Is, is there any correlation there between trials and wisdom? Well, to answer that question, to answer the question, how do trials connect to wisdom, we must ask another question, and it's this. What is true wisdom? What is true wisdom? So if you're taking notes, write that down. Maybe write the previous question down, how do we connect trials to wisdom? But then this question will allow us to open up, hopefully, uh, the, the scriptures and ask an answer. What is true wisdom? Well, to answer that question, we must first understand what wisdom is not, okay? So we're not going to go straight for what is wisdom. We're going to actually navigate our way around and say, okay, to answer this question, we must ask ourselves, what is wisdom not? Well, let me say this first. Wisdom is far more than the accumulation of information. <clears throat> so it's far more than accumulating all the information you possibly can. The fact is that actually anyone can attain information. And actually information we, we call knowledge, don't we? Anyone can obtain knowledge, can't they? You can obtain as much, as, as much of it as you want, especially in 2021 where we've got everything at our fingertips, everything at a touch of a button on a computer. We can learn and we can study whatever we want, whenever we want. But that does not necessarily mean that we're wise. If we have all the knowledge in the world, that doesn't necessarily mean we're wise, does it? But that is the perception of our world, isn't it? That if you're intelligent, then you're wise. Now, let me give you a few examples here. Think of the intellectual greats of the past. I'm sure you could think of many, more than I can think of even. Think of Isaac Newton, an English mathematician. He was an astronomer and he was a, a, a physicist as well. Very, very clever man. Think of Galileo, an Italian polymath, astronomer, physicist, engineer, philosopher and mathematician. Pretty clever guy, right, in, in, in history. What about Plato then? A philosopher in classical Greece and actually he was the founder of the academy in Athens, the first institution of higher learning in the Western world. I mean, could there be any greater, more intelligent person than maybe Plato? Well, there's one man, isn't there, that maybe you think of, even young people know about him, Einstein. What about Einstein? He is one of the greatest physicists in all of history. A man who actually worked out the atomic theory, if you know what that is. That was Einstein. However, it is recorded that this very clever man, Einstein, said the following, and it's on the screen. In their struggle for the ethical good, teachers of religion must have the stature to give up the doctrine of a personal God. That is what is recorded that Einstein said, an intellectual man, one of the greats, and there is no doubt that he was, he was an intellect, he was clever. But there is also no doubt that he was not a wise man. In fact, this very statement here, 
is proof that there was no wisdom in him. And I would go as far as to say that and believe that wholeheartedly. You see, the reason I say that is this, because in Psalm 14 and verse 1, and hopefully it'll be on the screen for you, says this, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That is what Einstein was saying. Well, let me <clears throat> make some greater distinctions between knowledge and wisdom. So let's make some greater distinctions. And again, if you're taking notes, this, these are going to be helpful to you. I'll try and slow these down so that you can write them down, so that you can create these distinctions in your own mind. If you're listening on, just listen to these, and I'll give you these comparisons. The first one is this. Knowledge is knowing the truth. Knowledge is knowing the truth. But wisdom is knowing what to do with it. Okay, so knowledge is knowing the truth, but wisdom is knowing what to do with truth. Okay, second one. Knowledge fills your mind. We talked about that already, didn't we? We can fill up our minds with knowledge, with information. But wisdom, on the other hand, guides your life. Guides your life. Thirdly, knowledge is truthful. Knowledge is truthful. But wisdom is useful. Wisdom is useful. Number four, knowledge provides information, doesn't it? That's what it does. It fills our mind with information. It provides information for us and helps us to have a greater knowledge. But wisdom actually provides transformation. It turns what we know as truth, as information, and actually affects us. And as Christians, we will get to this in a minute, it affects our hearts and our whole life. It affects our hands and our feet and our eyes and our mouth and everything about us. It provides transformation. Okay, number five, there's two more. Knowledge tells you what to believe, doesn't it? You go away and you go and try and find a piece of information on something, it will tell you about it and it'll tell you what to believe, essentially. I might not say that as explicitly as that, but it is telling you something in the fact that it may persuade you to believe it. So that's what information, that's what knowledge does, tells you what to believe. But wisdom actually tells you how to believe. Again, it turns what we know and it turns it into something tangible, something that affects us, affects our hearts and our minds and our lives. And then the last one is this, knowledge is theoretical. It's theory, isn't it? But wisdom, and this gets down to it, wisdom is practical. This is why James speaks of it here in his book, which is incredibly practical, because wisdom is practical. It's not just something out there, but actually something that affects us and moves us. A.T. Robertson, a towering genius, actually in Greek grammar, calls wisdom this, the practical use of knowledge. I think that's helpful. The practical use of knowledge. That's what wisdom is. But here lies our problem. Here lies our problem. Your problem, my problem, everybody's problem. The Christian, we have an issue, and it's this. We lack wisdom, don't we? I mean, you may be sitting there going, well, I think I'm quite a wise person. But let me tell you this, you lack wisdom. You lack wisdom. How do I know this? Because James, here in verse, <coughs> verse uh, 5, says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, 
and it will be given him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And so the, assum- the assumption here from James is that we all lack wisdom. We all lack wisdom, therefore we need to ask God for it. <clears throat> and it won't come as a surprise, a hope, when we think of it like that, that we do actually lack wisdom. But do you know why? I was thinking about this during the week. Why do we lack wisdom? What is it? What has caused us to, to lack wisdom? Well, it's because our wisdom grows in three different factors, three different areas. <clears throat> I've got them written on the screen here. Our wisdom grows in knowledge, it grows also in perspective, and it also grows in experience. Let me uh, maybe tease them out a little bit. See, our human limitation <clears throat> in knowledge, our human limitation in perspective, and our human limitation in experience all lead to limited wisdom, don't they? We're not all wise in knowledge, all wise in perspective, and all wise in experience, are we? And no one watching this this morning can say that. And so that won't come as a surprise. And then as we begin to understand that, <clears throat> then we begin to answer our initial question, was this, which was this, how do trials connect to wisdom? How do trials connect to wisdom? How do we draw that line between the two of them? How do we connect? How do we cor- correlate those two things? Well, when we walk through trials... It is very evident if you have or you are walking through a trial that we don't know all that is going on, do we? I said this a bit last week. When you're in the middle of the trial, you don't necessarily see all the details. You don't see all that God is doing and how he's working out his purposes through that trial in your life. That is what I'm talking about, is that we have a limited knowledge We have limited knowledge in the trial. And then, moving forward, we don't see our situation from every angle, do we? Sometimes we get so cocooned, bubbled up in our trial, we we lose focus. That cloud comes down and blurs our minds and our vision about what is going on and how do we work through this. And that here is what we see, is this limited perspective. We have limited perspective in the trial. And then we oftentimes lack experience in what we should do, don't we? We have limited experience. Not everybody has the right answers on this earth. Not everybody has enough experience to navigate every trial. However, however, there is someone who does possess the knowledge. He does have the perspective, all perspectives. And in Christ, he has experienced every kind of trial, every kind of storm, every kind of test, and guess what? He has prevailed. And that someone is God. Just look at how James describes God here. He says this, God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, it will be given him. Verse 5 has always been a a verse that's come back to me. It's it's written on my heart, if you like. I think it's probably got to be one of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. I mean, there are many, but this has got to be one of them, isn't it? James depicts a God who generously, 
abundantly, liberally gives wisdom to his children. But he does that, doesn't he, as we read here, he gives generously to all without reproach. And just think about that for a moment. God gives to his children without discrimination, without question, without hesitation. He doesn't stand there and say, I gave you a brain, so use it. Or, what did you do with the most recent thing I gave you? Or, have you ever been thankful for what I gave you in the past? No, he doesn't say any of that. He doesn't think like that. He gives without reproach. Instead, he actually inclines his ear and responds with, I'm so glad you asked. Here it is. That's the picture. That's the reality that we need to capture. Because in the midst of a trial, when, as I say, when it gets so hard to think, so hard to understand what is going on, and we need wisdom, need wisdom to get through, we're going to need to ask God for it. But we need to, when we do that, especially in the midst of a trial, we need to know that he is a God who gives without question. He gives without reproach. Therefore, how do we connect trials and wisdom? Well, I think maybe we've just done it, haven't we? Actually, the connection, when you think about it now, is quite easy, isn't it? In the trials of life, it doesn't take long to figure out our own lack of wisdom, and therefore, trials are nothing short of actually gigantic opportunities for us. You need to understand that too. Trials for us are gigantic opportunities. Gigantic opportunities to become wise, and that that wisdom that we get actually is another agent, isn't it? It's another vehicle that moves us into greater maturity, greater spiritual maturity. Well, in our lives, in our trials, big or small, instead of getting frustrated, let me give you some practical advice, instead of getting frustrated or angry, because that's so easy, that can be so easily our default position, can't it? We can stand there and say, why me? Why now? Why this? Instead of saying those things, let's learn that we can stop and be still and ask for wisdom. 1 John 5:14 says this And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us Is wisdom giving wisdom to his children in his will? Yes, it's here. Verse 5 and so there should be no doubt, there should be extreme confidence when we come to him and ask him for it, that he would give it to us. But, and maybe you're expecting a but here, there is something that we need to realize before we ask for wisdom. Something that we need to ask. There are conditions attached. On the screen we have verses 6 and verse 7. Uh, sorry, verse 6, just on the, at this point. But look, let me point these out to you on the screen. It says, anyone who's going to ask for wisdom, let him ask in faith. 
And so this is the first condition, faith. You have to believe in Christ. You have to be a born-again Christian. You have to have your life transformed by Christ. You have to come to him and ask for forgiveness, and you must have surrendered your life to him, and you must be a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. You must have genuine faith to expect anything from God. There's no denying that true wisdom, therefore, begins with a healthy reverence from God. A healthy reverence from God. Psalm 111, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that so helpful to us this morning? All those who practice it have a good understanding. And therefore, true, perfect wisdom is only from God. And therefore, we could conclude, couldn't we? We could draw uh, this evaluation here. We could say with great confidence that true wisdom, therefore, is exclusively for the Christian. If it's only from God, true wisdom, not a wisdom that we, we see or hear of in this world. No, it's a godly spiritual wisdom. If it's from God and it's only for those who are, or who, though for, only for those who have faith in God, then it is only and exclusively for the Christian. And so you have to believe in Jesus, you have to have surrendered your life, you have to have known the reality of true forgiveness, and you have to understand that God has given us his spirit. And true faith is the first requirement if you want true wisdom. But secondly, there's something else. There's something else. And it's this, that we are not to doubt. There is to be no doubting. No doubting. Well, let me tell you a story. In uh, 2015, um, before Annabeth, was, was uh, our daughter, was born, we, Sarah and I, were on holiday. Uh, we were on holiday and we spent uh, that holiday actually on a boat, uh, on a cruise. That was before I was a student and before <laughs> I was a pastor. And uh, that was an amazing time that we had together. Um, but one interesting thing, I've never been on a boat before, never been on a cruise before. And if any of you have been, then you'll know what I'm saying here. And if you haven't, if you ever do one day when we can get out of here, out of lockdown, you'll maybe experience this. You, you get on the boat and everything seems, fun, it seems fine. And inevitably the boat moves about on the water. It moves around. And you actually get very used to that. You get very used to the boat moving about. And you get your sea legs, I think that's what they call them, sea legs. But I remember one time explicitly we... We arrived that day um, in the harbour. We got off the boat, standing on this solid concrete harbour. And I turned to Sarah and I said to her, am I moving? And she looked at me and smiled and said, no, no. And I tell you, I felt like I was swaying uh, side to side at that point. I was so unstable. That's how it felt. That's just because I was so used to being on the boat. But James here going back to the text, is talking about this sort of unstable person, this person who sways around, a person who is actually full of doubt, a person who is impulsive. You ever met an impulsive person? Sort of blown by the wind, if you like. There's a gust of wind. You know, the wind, wind is very impulsive. I don't know if you've ever realized that and thought about that. And these people are like that. They are impulsive. They are unstable. And to be honest, they are out of control. 
But James takes it further here, doesn't he? Because when he gets to verse 8, he actually moves this thought of this unstable person and says this. He, should be up on the screen. Here he is. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This is this person. A person who is unstable, a person who is there and is double-minded. And that double-minded man, actually, if you look at the original translation, the literal translation, it actually means a two-souled man. That's quite daunting, isn't it? A two-souled man. He has one soul that believes and he has one soul that doesn't. John Bunyan, he was an English writer and a Puritan preacher. And he actually said something about this sort of person. He actually called this person Mr. Facing Both Ways. That's what he called him, Mr. Facing Both Ways. And sadly, such a person is double-minded. They are swayed by popular opinion. They are people who put their faith in what is seen and not in what is unseen. They are those who find it easier to believe hearsay. And there's many people like that around us. They find it easier to believe hearsay and gossip than they do believing the word of God. And sadly, this graphic description of a man bobbing like a cork in a raging sea, torn inside by two souls, describes many in the church. Not just this church, but many churches, if not every church across this world. And what should a person expect? What should, should this sort of person expect from God? This double-minded, double-souled, two-faced person expect? Well, look at verse 7. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That per- this person is a believer, yeah? But their doubt, their doubting, their unstable life means that they will get no wisdom to help in times of trials and therefore they won't make much progress towards maturity in the faith and how sad that is. How sad that is. Some of us may be concerned when we learn all of this that the Lord is expecting someone who is so perfect in their faith someone who has already established a perfect faith. But I don't think he is. I know he's not. Abraham, think of Abraham for a moment, think of Moses. Well, they were great men of faith, weren't they? Amazing men of faith, but they didn't have a perfect faith. There's a difference. See, Jesus honoured a stumbling faith, didn't he, of a, of a distraught father in the midst of testing when, his, when his, this father in Mark 9 and 24, if you remember that story, there was a, a father who, who was stumbling in his faith and he was going through a trial. And in Mark 9 and 24, Jesus turns to him and actually says, or actually the man says, sorry, I believe, but help my unbelief. That's what he says, that's what he asks of Jesus. I believe, but help my unbelief. Today you might be honest with yourself. We might be honest with ourselves. 
and say that we're wrestling with doubts in our faith. And if you are honest and you are thinking that way even this morning, that's okay. If you are wrestling with doubts in your faith, do you think that means that you're exempt from God's gift of wisdom? No. This isn't about those who wrestle with doubts. For even your wrestling is actually proof, isn't it? Of something inside of you that God is doing. But James is actually talking about those who have two minds. And this may be you, this person who has two minds. Well, as we try and take all that we've learned this morning from these couple of verses, and as we try and bring them into sort of a package that we can take away and think about, and we can apply practically to your life and to my life, we have to ask another question, one more question, and it's this. How does God impart the wisdom when I ask for it? Because that's the missing piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to you generously. If you believe and do not doubt, if you have faith, the question is, okay, if I do that, is there going to be a lightning bolt that comes down from heaven that I'm just going to kind of just instill me with wisdom? Or has God already established something around me that actually I can now with these new, this new perspective in my trials we can use to gain wisdom? And my, my answer to that question is yes. And so this morning I want to give you these five things as sort of practical application for you so that you can apply these things in your life and you can realize that they are there so that when you ask God, for wisdom, believing, not doubting, that actually when you go look in these places and when you use these avenues that he's already given us, you should expect that he will be showing you something. And the first one is this, and there are five of them on the screen. Scripture, the word of God, that shouldn't be a surprise to you, should it? God has given us his inspired word. It is the highest authority in our life. It's the highest authority in the church. And so in it, we find wisdom. We don't just find knowledge. We find wisdom. We find how to put what is in here and what we know into action. And so scripture, the word of God, is the most important thing for us as we seek God and as we desire wisdom. But yet, how many of us neglect it? How many of us leave it to one side from Sunday to Sunday? Maybe this is the first time you've picked it up today since last weekend. But the reality is you need to have it open. You need to have it open every day. You need to read it, even if you don't understand it. We need to approach it with, with prayer even and say, Lord, teach me. Show me your ways and show me your wisdom as I begin to understand what it says. Second thing is this, prayer. I said, on, I said on Wednesday night, uh, sorry, that our prayer life actually deepens our relationship with God. If you were there, and I would encourage you to be there, especially our members, um, on that prayer meeting. Our prayer life deepens our relationship with our Father. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life. But think of him as a father. Not someone who's just distant and ethereal, but he's close and closer than a brother and he's there. And we can talk to him just like a a son or a daughter talks to a father. Maybe you've never had an experience of a real, true, loving father. Well, now, if you are a Christian, you can experience that by just talking to him. Well, we need to ask, don't we, in our prayer, 
Lord, help me. Give me wisdom. Help me in the middle of this trial. And that's a really helpful way that we can actually put into practice asking. And I know James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Inevitably, that's praying to God and asking for it. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit work in all of this? How does the Holy Spirit give us and help us in the area of wisdom, spiritual wisdom? Well, actually, Paul in Ephesians 1 and 17 he actually calls it the spirit of wisdom. So part of the character of the Holy Spirit is wisdom. And so that we, we need to be very aware of the presence of our, the Holy Spirit in our life. We need, need to allow him and surrender to him as, we, as he leads us and guides us and shapes us and as he pricks our consciences and as he moves us and, and even pricks our minds sometimes to do certain things to do, and to help us and equip us to do the Lord's will. And so the Holy Spirit is a, a very important part, a, a vital part. It is the gift that we've been given through Christ. And it is active and he is living and he's working in our life. And so we need to be aware of the Spirit's work. We need to be open to the Spirit's work. And we need to realize that he is a spirit of wisdom. He's not unwise, he's wise. Okay, number four, let's keep moving, is this. Teachers, teachers. Well, God has gifted preachers and teachers all across this world, men who are faithful to impart wisdom. Um, I realize that when I say this, I'm, I'm, I'm talking uh, about myself as well, and I realize that's very humbling, actually. And I carry that burden too, that we, uh, those who have been called to this mighty task, and we feel that also, that we are responsible to divide this word up and to impart to our flock, to you, wisdom, so that you may go and you may have this practical outworking in your life. You may put these things into play in your life, that these things actually, in God's word, are not just to remain informational, but actually they are, and we are to help you to make them transformational in your life. They are to transform you, how you live, how you speak, everything, every part of your life, we, we are there and we are humbled to the task of doing that and we ourselves need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in order to do that and the prayers of you for us as we do that. But I, at this point, say you need to be under the leading and teaching of a church. <clears throat> Some of you may be watching and you've been wandering maybe from church to church. Especially in this lockdown season, I think that I've spoken to folks not in our church but others and and it's been a season where we can move from one place to the next to the next and we can be sort of spiritual gypsies if you like but that's not what God has called us to yes we miss gathering together but I'm telling you now that you need to be under consistent faithful teaching wherever that we be wherever that will be because that is what's going to help you mature and grow in your relationship with God and in the likeness into the likeness of his son. So teachers, teachers are going to impart, faithful teachers and preachers, they're going to impart wisdom into your life. Finally then, experience, experience. We're a forgetful people, right? We, are, we tend to be forgetful. We tend to forget what has happened in the past and we forget that actually we've learned what we've learned in the past can apply to the present. And so I encourage you, 
as I encourage myself, is that trials that I've been through in the past, the trials that God has put in my path, in, in the path of Sarah and I and Annabeth in the past, whether that be, I mean, for us, if I'm honest, if we look back to when even Sarah, my wife, if you're joining us here this morning, and I didn't ask Sarah to say this, but I'm sure she, she wouldn't mind me saying this. When Sarah was diagnosed with MS in 2012, that was an unexpected moment. We were looking forward to spending the rest of our lives together, yet this bombshell hit. And yet God sustained us through that. And we can take lessons from those seasons and those months and those years. And even currently, we're still obviously working through those things. But how easy we forget just what God taught us then. And actually that experience that we gained then and how easily we forget to apply it to now or to the next season when storm hits. What is it for you? What have you learned in the past? Can you apply it to the present? Well, there's another thing, there's another way we can learn uh, to, to gain wisdom from experience. And I know this is more difficult today than ever, but it's actually learning from each other. The body of the church is a wonderful thing. It is ordained by God to be that way, that we are a body. We are a body who has many members. This is why we love and cherish and teach and practice church membership. It's because together, in, in some amazing way, when we join together and say, okay, I commit myself not only to this place and to the service of this place, but to the body here, that is the people, the members of this church, in an amazing, mysterious way, we join together and we create one body. But inside that body, there's many things happening. And one thing, and I can't explain all of them, is that we should be so together, we should be so connected that we are learning from each other's experiences. That actually, something that maybe I have learned in the past could apply to you in your season of hurt and in your season of trial and vice versa. If we would just be a people who are open, people that realize that this is actually a family that we're in, and actually that what God taught me back then maybe would be helpful to you in your season. And so I encourage you to talk to each other. Talking together now, picking up the phone, going on Zoom, going out with another person on a walk, whatever it may be, that is so important for us now as a church body. You know, that is so important that we do that together. We're, we are interconnected. That we don't lose the oneness when we're apart as we are at the moment. So that's the five things. Scripture, prayer, Holy Spirit, teachers, and experience. I hope they're helpful to you. Well, wisdom, as we finish. Something we lack. Something we lack. We all lack. But something God has in perfect and abundant measure. Something he has in perfect and abundant measure. And he's ready to give it to you. He's ready to give it to me. So remember in our trials, don't seek a way out. Don't seek a way out. But seek God in the middle of it all. Not just so you'll grow in relationship with your Heavenly Father. Not just so that you'll grow in the likeness of your Son. But that you'll be equipped with wisdom from heaven. That's where it comes from. Wisdom from heaven. Who, who doesn't want that? We need that as we walk through this world, as we walk through this life. And if we do that, if we seek Him, if we seek His wisdom daily, if we seek his wisdom in the trial, we will be a people in the area of wisdom who lack nothing. Lack nothing. The potter, our father,
has everything under control. He is always good. He is always trustworthy. He is always generous. So let's never forget to call out, believing that he will meet our every need. Let's pray together. Let's pray to God even now, maybe, um, for wisdom. And I pray that you'll be praying that prayer if you're in a season of trial right now. But let's pray that together now as we finish. And then we'll listen to our last song together. So let's pray. Father, we ask for wisdom. We believe that you will give it to us. We are those who don't doubt that you are a generous God and you will just impart that to us now wherever we're at, whatever season we're in, whatever trial we're facing. And so Lord, we pray that you would just impart that to us now, that we would be active in our faith, that we would also go even through these things that we've looked at. We would go to your word, we would pray to you that we would uh, that we would seek the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would seek to be under the sound of your word and the faithful teaching constantly and, and continually, that we would be those who seek each other out, that we would be those who are honest and open, we would be a family who are learning from each other and that as we learn from each other, we grow in maturity in spiritual maturity, and we grow into the likeness of Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer, that's our desire, so give us wisdom, we ask. Help us wherever we are at in our life, whatever struggle, whatever storm we're in, may we know your presence, may we know your help in these days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's listen to this last song together, um, and then we will see you back here, 6.30, on our live stream. Thank you for joining us. And we pray you've been blessed by uh, what God has taught us this morning. God bless. Have a good day. And we'll see you later.